This is the Manga Mavericks podcast from AllComic.com. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton, and I'm doing a solo intro for this because, boy, um, yeah, this episode's late. I'm sorry, guys. Um, yeah, I, I thought I thought we were starting off the year right by finally getting back into the swing of things and you know, recording Manga Mavericks a little more frequently, and I promise we're not going away anytime soon. Um, still just kind of getting used to things on my end, and also dealing with being sick. Um, that's a that's a thing I've been dealing with um, for the past week or so here uh, before uh, we finally put this episode up. Uh, so that's probably the biggest reason why this episode's late. Um is uh I I actually had this thing almost done um but then I started coughing and wheezing and and uh just feeling weaker in general. I'm I'm not like I've obviously I I don't want to make it sound like I'm terminal, but uh <laughs> I'm just I I I'm just I'm feeling, you know, man, I'm not doing a very good job of explaining myself. I'm sick. Okay, sometimes it happens. Uh it really got in the way of um of me editing this podcast, which, by the way, isn't even really a full podcast, and I'm going to explain why. So, if you listen to our last episode, uh, episode 41, I believe, uh, where we talked at great length about Kenta Shinohara's uh, magnum opus, Sket Dance, um, we mentioned a few times throughout the episode uh, that me and Sid uh, were going to record an episode about his uh, his latest series that just concluded about a month ago at this point, uh, Astra Lost in Space, uh, which is licensed by Viz Media. And um, uh, we were going to uh, – we, we, we recorded an episode about it, um, but not only did we talk about Astra, we also had uh, the editor of the English release of Astra, Marlene First, uh, who has been working with Viz Media for about three years or so at this point and has a lot of series under her belt that she has edited, including not just Astra, but Toriko and uh, Kuroko's Basketball, Black Torch, uh, Dragon Ball Super, uh, all kinds of stuff. And uh, so uh, we had Marlene on to join us in the discussion, um, but, uh, you know, we figured it'd be a waste to you know, to not spend some time interviewing Marlene about her work and, you know, her uh, just just her general interest in manga and cosplay and whatnot, um, and just kind of sort of what led to her position at Viz Media, uh, you know, before we just jumped right into discussing Astra. Um, so the thing is, um, the interview alone took about almost two hours, I want to say. Uh, the raw recording with Marlene altogether was about just a little over four hours. Um, so me and Sid decided that we should split this episode up into parts. Um, cause, you know, I didn't, I didn't really mind so much, uh, with releasing a four hour podcast, you know, uh, back during the end of the year last year because we had been on hiatus for, a couple months at that point, so I figured nobody would really mind because it's like, oh, hey, well, you know, uh, maybe people want more manga mavericks to listen to because we just haven't been around for so long. But you know, I figured I, I don't want to make that like a, um, I don't want to make that a whole thing. I don't want to, I don't want to make that a continuing trend. I know uh, some people 
aren't a huge fan of our longer podcasts and and really want our podcast to hit that two hour sweet spot and no more, which you know uh, I mean we try guys, but sometimes we just can't help ourselves, and this was one of those times um so uh, what you're going to be listening to here in just a second is basically just the entirety of our interview with Marlene alone. And then uh, hopefully within the next week or so, um, you know, t- t- tentatively speaking, subject to change, um, uh, we can maybe uh, hopefully release our discussion of Astro Lost in Space um, as soon as we get some kinks figured out. Uh, I know we ha- we kind of have some... Uh, Uh, audio difficulties with that second half of the recording that we're going to hopefully try and fix, which is also another reason why this episode was kind of late. But uh, anyway, I'm sure you guys don't want to hear a bunch of our excuses. Uh, uh, The important thing is, is that we actually got something out. And uh, yeah, we might as well just jump right into it. Uh, Enjoy our interview with Marlene First, editor of Astro Lost in Space from Viz Media. We kind of mentioned it in that, uh, this, in, in what we were talking about, but you edit a lot of other series besides Astra as well, including Seraph of the End, World Trigger, Torico, Dragon Ball Super, Eldlife, Black Torch, Robot Laser Beam. There's just so many series you're working on, and you're also working on the, one of the newest jump starts that debuted uh, in the recent issue of Shonen Jump, Boza Beats. So I wanted to first talk about uh, our initial thoughts on Boza Beats and uh, what we think of it. Yep, I also edit Judy Tyson, which is still running for free on the free section, same day as Japan on Saturdays. Yes, and I've been enjoying the manga version of that uh, a lot. It's very different from both the light novel and anime versions. I mean, yeah. not significantly different, but I just like uh, its storytelling a lot. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've heard that the the battles look more dynamic in the manga, and that the pacing is better. It, it is. I, I the manga is such a. I wish the anime like looked as good as the manga does, but uh, unfortunately, you know, it was done by a relatively new studio, and uh, they couldn't uh, keep up the visuals yeah. in certain episodes. Anyway, machine guns and monks. <laughs> oh yeah. So um. Yeah, Sid. What what is Boza Beats actually about? Actually, you know what? Like, I see. I feel like I feel like if you were just to tell me this manga is about priests with machine guns, you would have already had me hooked. Honestly. Yeah, I think Marlene had a great description of it. I mean, monks with machine guns, but uh, specifically, uh, Boza Beats is about like these specific group of like uh, kind of militant monks or monks who like go out and like uh, fight like evil spirits and stuff. Uh, what a Boza is, according to the series, is the head monk of a temple or monastery, one who saves others with the teachings of the Buddha. So Boza beats are like those monks, but they have like special like weapons that they use to fight like evil spirits and stuff. And uh, the series is about this child who is abandoned in the woods called Madakatamaki. And he encounters one of these priests when uh, he comes into the woods, like, to take out an evil spirit. And then, through some circumstances, he ends up, like, 
getting in a fight with like a really evil Kodama, a tree spirit, and like his adoptive like wolf mother like gets injured and like in a rage he starts like unleashing a mysterious like power like all the souls that were like scattered from when the uh the bozabit like purified the chini he like absorbed those souls into his body so like the bozabit is like huh that's very strange and so you know because his adoptive mother figure was kind of killed Madoka Tamaki like asked the priest uh you know to kind of like train him and, and like he goes back to civilization to kind of learn more about himself because he doesn't really remember like his life before he came to live in the woods and didn't know his name until like the priest had kind of read out like his name tag and told him so the premise is like about this kid kind of like fighting these evil spirits and learning more about his past and the priest is, has the most awesome line where he, like, when he first encounters Tamaki and Tamaki's like, are, are you here to, like, eat us? And, like, he says the most bad, he says, like, this in the most badass way. I'm a vegetarian. I that is the most that. badass reading <laughs> of that line that I've ever read. Yeah, I thought that was no, pretty I think good, that actually. That was super good. Adrian did a really good job translating just the whole chapter in general. It was a really good translation. And also, like, I, I really do enjoy the disconnect of, like, Ryudaji's face and, like, the fact that he is, like, legitimately a monk. Um, it's, yeah. It's amusing. And the character designs are great. The weapons are great. This mangaka knows how to color really well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, the opening, like, two-page color spread is absolutely gorgeous. Like, especially, like, that the entire uh, scene of that city, like, what... Like, all those, like, green, like, bright colors. And then, like, that lightning dragon. Like, it looks stunning. Yeah, but no, I totally agree. Yeah, I, I was I was definitely blown away by the art. Um, definitely going to be looking out for more work from this artist in particular, whose name I'm having trouble remembering off the top of my head. Ryoji Hirano. Thank you, yeah. Um, as, as far as the story goes... Um, this is a series where I don't know if I'm really ready to start reading this, like, from chapter one. Like, th this is a series I could see myself kind of letting build up first and seeing how long it lasts and jump before I decide to read it. But as, as far as just the first chapter goes in general, I didn't think it was bad. I, I thought it was interesting. And I, again, r really, the art kind of carried me all the way through because, man, like, I don't know if you'll agree with me, Sid, but, like, um, especially, like, whenever, like, the wolves are around or whatever. For some reason, I got a real, like, I got, I got that kind of like two year eternity kind of feel in some scenes or whatever. I don't know if you would agree with me on that. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because tonally and thematically, this feels very similar. Like the artwork does have like a quality that I could definitely see of Loimas. And especially like because of the wolf characters, it's very easy to like make that comparison. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely feel like in terms of this, this being a story about like kind of understanding like life and the balance and like the balance of the cycle of life and, and nature. I think like these are really strong like themes for the series. And like, I just also really love these, the animal and creature designs in particular. Like oh, yeah. the bears, the wolves, that lightning dragon at the beginning. Like, wow. Like a lot of this stuff blows me away. And 
you know, these monster designs are really creepy too, like the Kodama. You know, I'm used to seeing like Kodama in series, like being kind of more cutesy. Like think about Princess Mononoke or Kagami Gami from a few years ago. I remember like the Konama like being presented as like more cute little tree spirits. But the Kodama in this series like is, this like, it reminds me of like, uh, the Akuma from the Gray Man in a oh, way, yeah. and kind of how twisted the design is, and yeah. like the multiple mouths and like weird faces. It's like really disturbing. Yeah, I think that, um, like for example, I'm obviously not like at liberty to say what what will pick up or whatever. Um, so don't take this as me and i actually don't even know i i'm not part of that side of things i'm in actually an editorial um and so like whether this is picked up or not i don't know but like even though we don't pick this up i'm gonna probably still want to read it like in the japanese magazine i don't know i like this kind of manga a lot like this genre like i work on black torch i work on serif i like these kind of series so I'm happy with this specific jump. Like, I've worked on a lot of jump starts. Um, they're all interesting in their own ways. Uh, but this one, and I even said it on Twitter, like, this one has been, I think, my favorite since uh, Buddy Strike in terms of the ones that I've personally worked on. Yeah, I mean, this was definitely a really strong first chapter. I think what usually, like, really impresses me about, like, first chapters of new series is how they sell, like, the really emotional heart of these stories and like there are two scenes in particular that like really stood out to me and that really hit that strong emotional connection. The first is when like Tanaki's like wolf mother is like her spirit is like talking to him because you know she's passing on and she's like telling him to like return from being a wolf to human and that even though she's passing away like her soul will always be with him and tells him to find yourself and like says thank you for loving me oh so good so good yeah and then of course uh when Tomaki's talking with Ryu Daiji and he doesn't understand like why he buried like you know his mother because he thinks like oh when creatures die you know they just go back into the earth and get eaten and stuff who why even bother but burying people it, it makes no sense it's pointless and like uh Ryu Daiji like tells him Hey, all things in this world have life, and all laughter serves respect, and, you know, it, you should respect the dead and honor them, and, like, you know, that is a really powerful sentiment, too. And then he gets to, like, how how this relates to, like, the, the group of the series, the Bose Beats, and what they do, and it's, like, you know, performing these rituals, these, uh, and, and jolly gestures of reverence, you know, these rituals, uh, and helping those who left behind and move on with their lives, that's, you know, what we do, and that's, like, the value of the work we do, and, like, yeah, I think that's just a really strong foundation and drive for, you know, Tomiki's character, and for the series to explore. So I think it, like, really hit all that, like, very important emotional center strongly in this first chapter, and that has me very engaged to, like, continue the story. So I'm very excited for this new series, and I'm, I'm looking forward to what we can get out of the remain, remainder of the jump starts, and hopefully it'll, uh, hopefully it'll hit, hit, hit on in Japan too, and maybe we can see more of it down the line. Yeah, like I said 
earlier, like, you know, I, I, I said I'm not really willing to start reading. Like, if we had the option to, I probably wouldn't read it weekly. I'd let it build up. But, like, that's not to say I... I, you know, that I disliked it or anything. Uh, there were definitely some great moments in this first chapter, like with Sid said. I, the, 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 the moment where Ryu Daiji clasps, uh, Tamaki's hands together. And yeah, he starts going on his whole spiel about, you know, how life deserves respect and whatnot. Uh, I, de- that's, that's definitely probably the strongest moment in the first chapter for me personally. But um, I feel like as far as the jump starts go, um, somehow I feel like I'll probably end up enjoying Act Age more because I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely looking forward to reading the first chapter of that. Um, what with its um, premise and whatnot. Yeah, interesting. I remember before you said you you were looking forward to Boza Beats. I I did say that, but now now that I've read Boza Beats, I I don't know. Some somehow I just. I just have this feeling that may- I feel like I'll like Act Age more uh, just on its premise. I don't know. Sid, people can change their minds. I don't, I don't know what you want me to do. Um, um, you mind if I say something just in general? Sure. I, I-, I can see your point on um, like wanting to let it build. I think um, like personally, um, that was actually my reaction, my personal reaction to Kimetsu no Yaiba. And in the end, mm, like, yeah, me too. Like the first three chapters, like on their own. Um, like, they were good. It's a great manga, and everybody should check it out, especially as it's coming out and stuff like that. But um, it took, like, I guess a whole volume's worth of content for me to be like, okay, this is actually something that, like, I would like to... Keep. Like, it, it kept my attention more as, like, seven chapters in one than three chapters in one. And I think it's actually interesting, just as a series, like, when I first saw... When I first saw it, I was like, oh, this is going to be like Kimetsu no Yaiba set like Meiji Restoration with like limited time. I don't know why, like, like it was going to be like some sort of alternate whatever. And it's interesting to me that like the, the character design contrast with like the monks and then like the mod- super, super modern design, I think is actually really interesting to me personally. Um, yeah. Cause usually when you see stuff like that, it's either like, Super fantasy world, like with crazy castle esque designs, like Blue Exorcist, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or you get a series like Kimetsu no, Ye- <laughs> Kimetsu no Yaiba, or even like Inuyasha, where it's like um, some sort of period piece, whether it's like feudal Japan or wow, Toma, uh, feudal <laughs> Japan, or um, or like the Meiji period. It's like or something like really specific like that. So it's interesting to be like, oh, like at the end of the chapter, they're like, let's go on an airplane. It's like, <laughs> yeah, so, somebody argued with me about that. I'm like, it's on page 56, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you read, bro? <laughs> uh, yeah. I really like how the series is like playing with, you know, there's like this really advanced technology, but like the characters are very spiritual and they have these very like old fashioned garb. I think that is a really good contrast. Yeah, no, I overall, it's um, very different from what I'm used to. And I don't know, I work on like space police and Dragon Ball, so and volleyball and so i mean like it's very different like even like i'll say even with like black torch i like look when i first got it i'm like i've never worked on anything that was like super like super japanese techniques in terms of like um like attacks and stuff like that so actually from like an editor standpoint i was like oh how do i 
write these out in English kind of thing. And Black Torch kind of gave me some practice on that. Um, even when I did the two shot on Kenshin, um, way back, like last year, um, I was still like, these kind of like something, something, something technique or whatever, like something in Japanese. And then like the English, like this series actually was kind of interesting. It's another challenge like that. Black Torch was though the real one where, where that happened. Toma, please. <laughs> Sorry. He's a good boy, I swear. <laughs> it's alright. But no, yeah, I guess, um, I guess hopefully, um, I mean, e- even if Viz doesn't end up picking up Boza Beats for, um, for a spot in the magazine, I'm hoping it does well, because I think it has the potential to be a pretty good series. The same, I think it actually has a lot of potential as well. I mean, I'd like, I feel bad, like, saying, like, oh, yeah, no, like, if this, blah, 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 because I honestly don't know. So don't take anything I say as, like, oh, yeah, no, she likes it, so it's going to happen, or whatever. <laughs> um, that's, like, my biggest fear. Like, oh, Marlene likes something, so that means it's blah, blah, blah. No, it just means that I'm a nerd. Um, and so I hope it actually continues in Japan, like, for a while. It's, I, fi- I found it incredibly interesting. Um, so we'll see. I was going to say, it definitely feel, it doesn't feel like a jump manga to me, which I think is probably the most interesting aspect about it. Like this, this, this feels like a combination of something like, again, to your eternity in like Golden Kamui, like some, something along those lines, at least like aesthetically speaking, I guess. Yeah, or Kimetsu no Yaiba, I think yeah. Like yeah. the most, com- like biggest, like comp. Yeah. I don't know. But also, like Kimetsu no Yaiba is very much, it almost feels like a Shonen Sunday title, like Inuyasha. I don't know. You, when I hear that, I think like, or like when I think of this genre, I think of Inuyasha. So I'm like, oh, Shonen Sunday or whatever. Honestly, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. But, you know, it's a great, I love both of these, so. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, it was a very strong first chapter. I think that uh, comparison to uh, Kimetsu no Yaiba is very spot on because I, I definitely felt similar things back when Kimetsu no Yaiba like, premiered. Like, I got kind of a similar kind of vibe from the story. It was, like, very a lot more, like, thoughtful and uh, it was, like, th- there was this strong emotional core. And it also, like, felt a little atypical for a jump manga in terms of, like, both its art style and its execution. And I definitely think we see a kind of uh, that tr- uh, trend of in that in a couple series that have been premiering in Jump recently, we commit to an Ayaban Promise Neverland series that fit in Jump, but they feel like a little different from what you normally expect from Jump all the same. So it's very interesting mm-hmm. to see yeah. that kind of trend, you know, continue here with some of the new series that are popping up. Yeah, no, especially Promise Neverland. Uh, Promise Neverland is a very big outlier in terms of like, Oh, Jump's all about having a fun adventure, or, like, cooking something really good, or... And or fighting the bad guy, or whatever. About, yeah, or, or <laughs> writing a manga about Jump manga. <laughs> um, but, then, um, but then you got, like, like children being farmed, and, like, with this really, like, almost creepy storybook-style-esque art that's a complete contrast to pretty much everything else in the magazine, or whatever. Yup. So, I mean, different isn't bad, it's just different and new and exciting. I very much welcome different, if I'm being perfectly honest. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I really like intelligent manga. Like, 
that's not saying like something that's like oh but du- buff dudes punching each other isn't good or anything like that like that's fine too it's fun it's very easy to work on um but <laughs> but at the same time like after loss in space or like these deeper stories that kind of comment on like humanity's place in the world or something like that or a story that's like you can never really predict what happens next i find that fun like Dr. Stone has been getting into that territory as well. It's At first, I was like, oh, it's just like this happy-go-lucky thing where everybody kind of sort of almost not really is dead, and then they come back, and then oh, they're in the future. This is fun, but now it's more like, oh, there's something more here. It's actually pretty, like, it's a pretty intelligent manga, or... Not that it was like a stupid manga, but it was like uh, you know, it's 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 a, it's as it's as intelligent as a manga with a bunch of like punches to the nuts or whatever can can get, you know, what what those kind of like ninety style like hit him in the nuts kind of gags or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, even like something like JoJo, which is no well, JoJo is older than that, but like even then, like a series like JoJo. It's like, oh, these buff dudes, and they're beating the crap out of each other. But, like, there's actually this really awesome, like, convol- not convoluted, convoluted's a negative word, um, like, awesome deep story going on here that's like, I don't know what's gonna happen next. Like, I hope a JoJo spoiler for part two is okay, but, like, like, Caesar's death and whatnot, like, I expected Joseph and Caesar to, like, make it to the end together and stuff like that, and that just, like, threw me for a loop, and, like, here I am, like, crying. So, yeah. No, I cry uh, from manga if it's sad. Definitely. I'm the same way. You're in good company here, don't worry. <laughs> I love challenging material. I love how a lot of new jump series are trying to be innovative and tackle very atypical subject matter and try and explore new things. And yeah. I love series seeing authors like evolve in their newer works and like kind of broaden their horizons in terms of what they want to write and how they write it. I think Astro Lost in Space is a great example of that in terms of an evolution of Kenti Shinohara's writing style from uh, Sket Dance. And I want to explore that a little further. But before we do that, I wanted to ask you a few questions, Marlene, because we don't usually have a lot of industry guests on the show. And whenever we do, we want to like just ask them some questions about their background and kind of learn a little bit. And so uh, we have a few questions that we just want to ask to get a sense of what a manga editor's job and what a what a life as a manga editor is kind of like. Mm-hmm. But to start off, we want to ask uh, how you got into reading manga. Like, what do you find most appealing about the medium? And I'm going to take like a like a guess that one of your first manga was Inuyasha, since you brought it up before. Well. I think I said that in, like, another interview, so you might... Did you hear it from that one? I admit that I have read that interview. Okay, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I definitely said that in another interview. So, actually, my very first anime with the knowledge of what anime is, if that makes sense. So, like, obviously, like, I grew up with Pokemon. I grew up with Dragon Ball. Like, it was, like, you wake up on Tuesday morning in, like, second grade... And, like, you wake up at 6.30, you watch Dragon Ball, you watch Pokemon, and then you get ready for school because school came after Dragon Ball and Pokemon. Um, stay in school. And so um, you, like, I, I don't know, like, I guess around maybe, I don't know, third or fifth, somewhere around there, like third, fifth grade, I was at a sleepover and 
kids being kids, you didn't really watch TV after like what, 9 p.m. And it was like our first time ever like turning on Cartoon Network at two in the morning. And we saw like what was Adult Swim at the time. And like Inuyasha was on and here's, here am I like, oh man, this is really cool. And like the other girls were like, this is so scary. Let's change the channel. I'm like, God, like, this is, like, here I am, like, this 10-year-old. Like, you guys need to calm down. It's not that scary. It was really cool. Well, some of those monster designs were pretty creepy, especially earlier know. on. Like, I was exposed to the alien ride at Disney World when I was three, so <laughs> there's nothing scarier than that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was, like, my first anime. And then there was actually a girl in my fifth grade class who brought in a manga at the time, uh, I think, All My Goddess. Yeah, it was All My Goddess, which, like, you don't really expect a fifth grader. Like, as as an adult now, I'm like, oh, man, like, what was a fifth grader doing with that? Um, but, yeah, so that was, like, my first physical manga reading that. Because I'm like, oh, that art is really cool. And then, like, after that, like, Fushigi Yugi and then, like, whatever my grandma bought from Barnes & Noble. And so, and then as I got older, I'm like, oh, here's the... <laughs> here's the... <laughs> That's Toma. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's the same ball, too. It's the same ball from that Twitch stream. Um, <laughs> it's so- <laughs> well, 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 clearly Toma has something to say. Uh, he, he likes manga. <laughs> What's his favorite manga? Probably Blue Flag. <laughs> Oh, he's probably biased though. I, I was see. I was going to give an easy answer, like Junji Ito's Cat Diaries or something. No, that's Coco's favorite. Ah, manga. okay, my, my mistake. Sensei's favorite manga is. Uh, oh my god, <laughs> Toma, please. This is why I like Blue Flag. It's really cool. And- <laughs> it's really sad, actually. It's not cool. It's like breaks my heart. But I'm named after one of the characters, so I like it. <laughs> Okay, I took it away, and now he's looking at me like he's offended. Aww. And then, actually, I have a cat named Nyanko-sensei, so you can guess what cat he's named after. Uh, eat yeah. the dinosaur, buddy! <laughs> um, and so, yeah, pretty much, like, oh my goddess, <laughs> wow, we got off track. Oh my goddess, Fushigi Yugi, and then, like, bookstores found more and more uh one piece kenshin i found i like was going through my room last time i was at home in new york and i found like this old i feel bad calling it old but it was like this old like maybe second print run of like one piece volumes whatever and like the translator was andy and i'm like i know that person (laughs) (laughs) so yeah no like I, I've been reading manga for a long time. Oh my god, it's it's not the ball; it's my face. Oh god, um, <laughs> and so uh, yeah, uh, that that's how I got into manga. And what I found really appealing about it is like you got American comics, they're American cartoons, and like a lot of it's episodic. It's like clearly made for kids, mm-hmm. and like that's not a problem. I watch Ladybug. I'm like 25, and I'm watching Miraculous Ladybug. And, um, like, I watch, like, kids' shows. All the time. I watch that Lego show on Netflix with the fairies. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. Like, I, I love stuff like, um, like a Crunchyroll. I watch a lot of, like, Shonenashi Bay and Bono Bono and all that stuff. I, I like, I like, I like kids' stuff like that, too. So. Yeah. So, a lot of, like, American cartoons are very, like, episodic. I really like the idea of 
And it was new to me because I liked reading books. Surprise, surprise. Um, Don't say. And uh, yeah, right. Um, and so it was surprising to me to see like a TV, even like a TV show, because you got like American live action TV too that's also episodic. Surprising to see a TV show or like a book that, or a book series rather, that was so extensive and. It was one of those mediums where it was like a lot of potential. The potential for good storytelling is like endless. So that's what really like attracted me to it. So I thought yeah. was incredibly appealing about it, and that's what I the reason I still read it today. Um, there's always something new. Yeah, pretty much. That's awesome. It's really interesting that you were reading like One Piece volumes edited by Andy, and then like no, he years was the later, translator. He was not the editor. He like translated it. So I don't know. I don't know what Viz was like back then, or what Andy was doing back then. But yeah, like I now actually like I've looked at a lot of my older copies of manga just to see like, oh, who edited this? Because a lot of American fans, I'm not sure, actually like will look at the credits page all too often. And I, I know I didn't. Like I didn't really think to. Um, yeah. So. I'm I'm willing to guess that Viz was probably definitely a smaller company back then. Probably a little smaller, but still pretty big because that would probably have been during the boom of when they were putting out like Shonen Jump, the magazine, yeah. and then uh, they were like bringing over a lot of like Shonen Jump titles. And I remember like you know looking at the front of like any given like Viz volume, and they would have like a list of like all the upcoming volumes and like all the recent yeah. volumes, and it was like a lot of stuff. And I was like always blown away. Yeah. But like it's really cool that like you were you you were reading like a One Piece volumes translated by Andy, and now you're working with him like years later, like over a decade later. That's definitely more than a decade. <laughs> <laughs> and like on that like a uh, subject, so you were reading One Piece as a uh, uh, when you were a kid. Did you was that your first Shonen Jump manga? What was your first exposure to Weekly Shonen Jump? To be completely honest, I can't remember. Uh, you know, like when four kids, like, okay, so I, there was four kids TV back then. Yeah. And so, like, you had, uh, well, Yu Gi Oh!'s, like, V Jump or whatever, but, like, you had Yu Gi Oh!, you had One Piece, you had Shaman King, and then you had, like, the Toonami Black with, like, Kenshin. So, like, I knew a lot of the Shonen Jump titles individually, but, um, together, it wasn't really, like, apparent to me that there's something like shonen jump i think around the time i was in sixth or seventh grade my mom somehow bought a copy of shoujo beat magazine mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but to be honest when it came to the print magazine at the time that viz was releasing itself the only time i ever saw a print compiled version of it was at my doctor's office oh. <laughs> like on the table which is kind of sad to say but i mean my parents were never really big, like, magazine subscribers anyway, so hearing the name Shonen Jump came later, like, in terms of, like, the TV, like, not the TV, the internet and stuff like that. Like, yeah. oh, the internet taught me this, essentially. But in for a long time, it was very, like, oh, there's all these individual series that are on TV or in bookstores, and I guess you see the name Shonen Jump, like, on the spine, or it's not on the spine, there's the logo on the spine. Or like, oh, it's on the C4. Uh, the Shonen Jump branding on the C4, and sometimes it's on the C1. And you're like, oh, yeah, Shonen Jump. But I don't really, like, at that time, you didn't really know what it is. So I can't really say definitively, like, oh, this is what I knew exactly what Shonen Jump is. 
But like I knew a lot of Shonen Jump titles for almost as long as I liked anime and manga. I think a lot of people start out that way. They get introduced to various different Shonen Jump series, and then later on, you're like, mind is blown when you, you're like, oh my god, One Piece, Naruto, and Dragon Ball all came from the same magazine? Whoa! Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely my experience, too. Though admittedly, like, when it came to, like, actually sitting down and finishing, or catching up to One Piece, rather, admittedly, my influence to do that was, uh catching up in Gintama. Um, like, we're weirdly, like, I kind of fell off the radar with some Gintama, not Gintama, some Shonen Jump stuff in manga and anime, like, in my first year of college, and then a friend of mine was like, because I was actually reading a lot of Ichi Shit titles. Like, I got copies of um, Zero Sum, like, every month. Like, I was importing it. I got um, Hakusensha's Lala every single month as well. Like, I was importing these magazines through Kinokuniya and reading those because I was actually really big on, like, Jose and, um, what's it called? And shoujo manga, specifically Natsume Yujincho. It's not obvious from my cat. And, um, <laughs> and so I liked some Shonen Jump titles, like, as anime, like, as a lot of, a lot of fans are like that. A lot of fans like Shonen Jump anime, not necessarily read manga. And so that was me for a while. Like, I liked, um, what was out at that time? I don't even remember. Uh, like, I liked Nisekoi. Like, I was introduced to Nisekoi through the anime. I was introduced to Kuroko's Basketball through the anime and, like, my Crunchyroll subscription and whatnot. In college, though, like, I got through Crunchyroll's run of Gintama, and I was like, oh, now I want to watch anime of One Piece. Sorry. <laughs> I want to watch the anime of I have a dog. Uh, the anime of One Piece. And I did. <laughs> there was like 502 episodes at the time, and I did it. Impressive. And then I started reading the manga from there. And collecting also the earlier volumes. And that's where I was able to get stuff like copies that Andy translated, which I may or may not have stolen from the library. Not intentionally. I <laughs> <laughs> never brought them back. <laughs> I don't know. It could have been from the library. I don't know. <laughs> That's okay. That happens sometimes. I think one time I thought I had lost a volume that I had borrowed from the library, and then I found it later. And, you know, I honestly should have kept it because I had already uh, paid the fine. But then I was like, you know, uh, this belongs to the library. I should return it, even though I already paid for it. <laughs> oh, Sid, you good it boy. Was you. A, it was a one-piece volume, too, which is, uh, <laughs> you know, a funny coincidence there. Yeah. But it was only recently that you kind of got up on One Piece then. Like, it was only a couple of years back. It's very interesting. Yeah. I'm, like, what, three years out of college? So, three, four, five, like, six years ago. Um, when I started reading the manga, they were around... Uh, I, uh, <laughs> sorry, my dog really wants attention. Um <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad. I'm so sorry. It, it's okay. Um, I, t- I, told, I totally understand that. <laughs> and so um, I, what's it called? Maybe Fishman? Uh, yeah, six years ago. I feel, I feel like that would have been around Fish. Well, no, six, six years ago, I feel like would have been around, uh, de- definitely like post time skip for sure. Yeah, it was either Fishman or Punk Hazard. I can't remember which one. 
When I graduated high school, they were in the middle of Dress Rosa. And that was in 2013, so... I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy how much time flies. Yeah, no, I'll be at Viz for three years in, like, February. Congratulations! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, like, I was in Japan, like, what, a few weeks ago, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, I lived in Japan, like, Two, three years ago? Four years ago? Wait, it's been that long? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's really impressive to me that you've been working at Viz for three years and you have worked on so many series in that time. And even before uh, you started working at Viz, like during your college years, you had like a very impressive background. Uh, you were a film studies major and you interned for both Animates News Network and Tesca Productions. What made you decide to become a manga editor and work for Viz? Uh, uh, how do you want me to start at the beginning or um, okay? Once upon a time, no. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so actually, when I started college, I was like, okay, I'm gonna be a lawyer, and I'm not a lawyer, so um. I was studying international relations, which required Japanese language, or not Japanese language, it required a foreign language, and I had already taken Japanese for like a year or two, and I continued it in college, so I was already having Japanese language study as a thing, and um, at the same time, I had always had an interest in like film and writing, specifically screenwriting, and that was my main focus as a film studies major. Uh, screenwriting and film theory, which a lot of film students hate. I loved it, but I also was the weirdo who really liked to write papers. So continuing from there, I kind of had an interest, not kind of, I had a weird sick obsession with why Hollywood films could not adapt manga and anime into successful live action films. Like up until that point, you had dra the Dragon Ball movie, you had, um, the Speed Racer film, like these films that were like, had a pretty popular niche following, but at the same time, they just were missing the mark entirely. And so I was kind of interested in like, why these titles, especially Dragon Ball, you think they just didn't know what to do with it or whatever. So I spent a lot of time on that kind of stuff in college. And later on, like my thesis ended up being about that specifically. And, um, I wrote two screenplays at the time as well and all that stuff. So I'd already had that kind of interest. And actually, I got really into that when I was studying abroad in Tokyo. I studied abroad in Tokyo and Kyoto. And um, so I'll, at the same time, though, in college, I was actually... People don't know I'm, I am a cosplayer, and I used to cosplay a lot more when I was um, in school. And I cosplayed for companies such as Viz, Funimation, and... My God, and um, sorry, my dog's like destroying a roll of paper towels, and I'm like stopping him, telling a story, and so, I'm so sorry, and um, and so I had already met a lot of people that way, and I had already started making connections that way, and obviously when you're a second or third year in college, you start need to start coming up with internships for when you can build up your resume and whatnot. So I applied for Anime News Network 
And I think like they, something like they forgot to notify me that I got the internship. So I was actually already an intern at a film studio in uh, Los Angeles reading screenplays, which my background. And I was also working for Anime News Network at the time. And I continued doing my internship actually while I was studying in Japan. Um, I came back and I was fortunate enough in 2014 to uh, get an internship at Tezuka Productions, uh, assisting a producer there. And that was an amazing experience. I believe I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging. I believe though that I'm like the only American to ever work at that office. And I also believe that I'm the youngest person. I was like 22 at the time. Wow. To ever actually like have any sort of position in that company. Um, and that was amazing. I had met people in the Japanese industry that I never thought I would have a chance in like a million years meeting. Um, uh, I had also had already met like, so there's somebody else I'd already become acquainted with. Um, I think he was a producer at Sunrise. Um, I met an animator and a director at Tatsunoko Productions who at the time I was like super obsessed with uh, Suritama and Gachaman crowds and like that was funny because it was like my first day at Tezuka and we're having lunch like hey do you like Tatsunoko stuff I'm like oh yeah no I like Gachaman <laughs> and they're like oh do you want to have a uh, dinner tomorrow with like somebody from Tatsunoko I'm like are you joking like is this for real and they're like yeah no it's okay and so like I was really fortunate to like make all these connections and I already had my connections in cosplay for Viz. And so fast forwarding after Japan, I come back home. I need a job because I'm graduating college and my friend contacts me. She works at Viz now, Charlene. And she was like, Oh, Viz is looking for a new editor. Would you be like interested in applying? I'm like, yeah, sure. And a few months later, I was moving to San Francisco. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it's like, sorry, I'm bad at telling stories, but. No, that was like an amazing story. You've had a really impressive career. And it's like amazing that you were like the youngest intern at Tesca Productions. I believe I was their only intern ever. I got that through a, a very specific like connection. Like that wasn't, that's not something that you could just like usually wake up and do. So yeah, no, that, that was a very specific case. And it was an amazing opportunity. I'm really happy I got it. So, yeah. That is amazing. They, they're great. Not a lot of people can say, like, especially, like, people in the West and America can say that they've interned for Tiska Productions or worked for them. And also not a lot of people can say that an anime character was inspired by them. So do you want to kind of go into th that story that uh, you've mentioned before that a character in Gotchman Crowds was uh, inspired by you when you uh, met with people from... Uh, Tatsunoko. Yeah. So after I met a pe people at Tatsunoko Productions, uh, so you might have heard of Facebook before. Um, no, not really. No, never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they were my friends on Facebook, and uh, my Twitter is one thing. My Facebook is a completely different thing because it's private. Mm -hmm. And so um, me being me and uh, having the gift of Photoshop, I am like obsessed with Sugita Tomikazu, which is like not a secret. But you I are in such good company. <laughs> I, love I love him, him too. And so, <laughs> him and Tatsun are like, ugh, oh my god, they're perfect. Anyway, um, so I. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> 
anyways, I, um, I have a lot of, like, there's this, it was very obvious that I really like Sugita Tomokazu, especially for my Facebook, like, to the point where, like, I have this, I'll show you guys privately, but, like, I photoshopped, um, like, the Little Mermaid splash with, uh, Sugita from that commercial where he's a dog and then he comes naked. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so, obviously, like, they knew that, like, I had, like, some messed up obsession with him. Anyway, so I got, like, a text message around my birthday that was, like, happy birthday. Like, uh, we're going to have a character that's, like, for your birthday made after you. And I'm like, okay. Like, that's really wow. cool. Like, oh, my God. And I didn't really know what that entails. Like, I'd seen some character designs of it. And uh, the character was... um. I, the name, on, uh, like, uh, honestly escapes me, but I have... Gal Sadora yes. is the name of the character. And so, like, the small girl form, girlish form, like, was sort of based off, I guess, my style and whatnot. The male form, however, my friend caught that episode when it, he transforms uh, before me, and I get this message, it was like, well, you were responsible for Sugita and Gachaman Girls. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? And so I went and watched, I'm like, oh my god, like, this happened, this happened. So yeah, uh, Sugita was in Gachaman crowds because of me and my sick obsession with him. And it wasn't a one-off character either, it was like a recurring character in that season. <laughs> no, it was like not a one-off character, it was a main character, yeah. I was like, oh my god, so yeah, no, that was, um, that was interesting. So I've 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 never seen Gotcha Man crowds. So just uh, it, uh, let me let me so let me like make sure we're on the same page. So so is he voicing a character because like my obsession? He, with cause, him? Cause, yeah, because he because you because you meant I thought you mentioned unless I heard you wrong. You mentioned something about a about a male form or something. Yeah. I heard you so wrong. the character starts out as like this cute girl. It's almost like a girl. It's I forgot who voices that version of him. It's a it might have been uh, Kuzumi Arie, but I'm not sure. Mm, I mean, that, that would probably make sense. Yeah, it was either her, <laughs> like, not Ryoko Shinai, she was the other big one. Uh, uh, Kano, whatever, whatever her name is. Um, so it was like. Uh, Kana Hanazawa. Yeah, that one. I was like, that, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that one. So it was like a girl originally, and like the short shorts and like that kind of style. Um, it was very much like, like the pose, one of the poses, like, was like pretty much like. The picture I took with the, uh, the, the director that's a private picture, um, from when I visited the studio. And so, like, there's that form. And then later the character runs for, like, president of the world or whatever. Actually, I, I might, I might be mixing that up with Samurai Flamenco, but, like, runs for some sort of political office. And, um, in the process, somehow, I don't really remember, it's been a few years, uh, transforms into um, a man voiced by Sugita. Oh, okay. That's really interesting. I have to watch this show now. It's like overall, that's, this is season two. Season one is a little bit different. I met the voice actor of the character I cosplayed as randomly in the middle of the street in Tachikawa. But uh, I have a wow. lot of weird stories <laughs> wow. of like, I've met this person randomly in this place. So... I was in the same room as Sugita Tomokazu. I was in a hallway with Ono Kensho, and he was glaring at what? me. Yeah, I've been in the same room as Sugita a few times. I've seen him live a few times. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, no, here's me, where, like, I am I was sick at Jump Festival, like, three years ago, I'm wearing this mask, and, like, 
it's Andy like clearly saw that I was like smiling behind it. Um, or uh, there was another time where we were actually at Jump Vista. I walked into somebody because I have really bad eyesight, and he was like, "Who did you just walk into?" And it was uh, Suda Kenjiro, who's Kaiba. So I was like, "I just walked into Kaiba." He's just like, "Why?" So yeah, no, I have a lot of weird stories about people I've walked into. <laughs> um, man, I that's like amazing. The- Man, those are, like, both actors I love, too. <laughs> yeah, no, and then right afterwards, I, like, messaged my friend Eve. I'm like, Eve, I just walked into Suda. <laughs> so. <laughs> You've met a lot of awesome people. Yeah, no, I've, I have a long list of people I've like, met. Like, I... <laughs> I I, I, I simultaneously both love and hate you at the same time. That, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. No, I've met a handful of mangakas from like Jump Festa and Jump Festa interviews. Um, we talked about it on the podcast. We ta- we met with Oda Sensei. It's my second time meeting Oda Sensei. I've met Kishimoto wow. Sensei twice now. Horikoshi Sensei once. Oh my god, Toma. And like um Kagami Sensei twice. Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't remember. <laughs> a lot of people. There's been a lot of people that I have run into in life. That's really cool. <sighs> yeah, I, w- I wish I had your life. That sounds awesome. <laughs> uh, my life, like outside of that, is just like sitting and playing games and yelling at my TV. So um, well, that's a lot of fun too. Yeah, yeah that's, no. I see that. That doesn't sound all that bad either i mean I, I, I like sitting around and doing whatever playing games sometimes yeah that's, that's pretty cool so listeners at home the next time you watch gotcha crowds uh, keep in mind that gil sadora was inspired by marlene and her lover tomokazu sukida yep i just pulled a muscle in my arm i'm sorry my dog is now eating the table um <laughs> <laughs> it's, it sounds like he's hungry i fed him like his meal and then like two meat sticks so I don't, I don't know. Maybe he needs like a third meat. That sounds so wrong. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> ah, what a hungry dog. Um, oh yeah, sorry. <sighs> hey, we're no strangers to innuendos on this podcast. Yeah, it's 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 totally cool. I had a friend who like I forgot how this came up, but she's just like I don't really know. Like my nickname was Michi as a cosplayer. She's so, like I don't know like what Michi likes outside of balls and sugita. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But speaking of cosplaying, I'm interested. You said that you were a professional cosplayer and you did uh, cosplay shoots for Viz and uh, some other companies. I, this is the first time I've heard about that. Uh, what is that kind of like? Um, so I cosplayed through a place called uh, a site. Sorry, a site called AC Paradise, which is like. It's a place where a lot of cosplayers upload pictures of them, their cosplay, um, but they also have uh, connections to other like actual companies and will um, work with companies to have cosplayers pretty much volunteer for events. I wouldn't really call it professional cosplay. No one really gets, gets paid for that, but you get like a badge. Sometimes you get a hotel room, depending on how long you are working. Um, and I coincidentally, not coincidentally, uh, luckily was... Uh, Having an internship in Los Angeles that for that film studio, and Viz was doing K Project in 2013, and um, at Anime Expo, and so I was cosplaying as the the kid with the skateboard. I forgot his name from K Project for them, and then 
it was like such a great time that um I went to San Diego Con- like last second San Diego Comic Con two weeks later, uh cosplaying um Aladdin from Moggy for I think the manga announcement. So Nice. Yeah. And that's how I really got acquainted with people at Biz. Um but yeah, I'm like too old and tired to do that now. But um it- it's like actually pretty hard like you have to wear the costume for like eight hours and stand around and do whatever the company is doing like sometimes it's like a big event or a stage thing or whatever and i did it for a lot of companies uh like adiplex funimation biz uh my last two i ever did i think were for daisuke um and uh axis yeah, Axis. I always get Atlas and Axis mixed up, and I'm like, oh yeah, Atlas is the one with Persona Five, and Axis is the one with the fighting games with with uh, Suita. <laughs> so <laughs> literally, like, plays blue for me in a nutshell. Very interesting. Hey, cosplay can lead to careers. Uh, I think like if you, I, I wouldn't. Okay, I wouldn't recommend like going up to companies in your cosplay being like, hire me. <laughs> like, I have a very specific background. But, I mean, in the end of the day, networking, no matter what your industry is, isn't going to hurt you. Yep. Uh, don't be obnoxious about it, but, like, uh, networking is networking. It's the same for any other job. Um, yeah, no, networking is what got me to where I am, knowing the right people, being in the right place. Um, but, like, at the same time, like, at when I was working for Viz, for example, I was able to show off, like, hey, I have, like, a pretty good work ethic. Like, I was never late. Um, I took it seriously. I didn't mess around. And as I think, like, with, like, cosplaying as well, a lot of people might not necessarily, like, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm cosplaying right now, so I'm supposed to have fun. But if you're going to do something like that, and ACP is really great. Um, I'm still friends with, like, Henry and people who organize that stuff. Like, if you're going to want to do stuff like that, just in general, overall, like, take it seriously. It's not something to mess around with. Like, you're there to do a job. So, yeah. I mean... If you're doing any task, it never hurts to do it to the best you can do it. Mm-hmm. That's very good advice. Uh, when you get your foot in the door, uh, show off your work at it and make connections. And who knows where that can lead you. And in your case, it led you to become a manga editor at Viz. Yes. So let's talk about that. What are the responsibilities of a manga editor? What does a manga editor do? Uh, so I think you can... Think of me as like a project manager almost, um, who edits grammar and a lot of other things. Um, so I, if I get a new title, I have to hire freelance translator and letter to make sure that the translation is like coherent in proper English and proper Japanese, which like I was talking to somebody earlier, like translators are great. But sometimes, like, there's always a mistake. So it helps knowing Japanese. And so I check the Japanese pretty carefully as well. Um, and then I send that to a letter. The letter does the lettering. The letter brings, sends it back to me. And then I check over the lettering, whether it's a shonen jump chapter. The lettering could be as simple as a letter. Someone's going to be mad at me for calling it simple. Um, could be as simple as, uh, text placement and subtitled sound effects, or it could be as complex as redrawn sound effects. And sometimes, like, an error to me could be either, like, a word is spelled wrong, or I think, like, a sound effect could be better, so I can change the whole sound effect, or the placement, if it's retouched, 
sometimes it's covering something that shouldn't be covered or like might be a little bit over a character's eye and that can't happen. So you check for like the big details, the small details, or even like if you're looking at text in a script and you're like, oh, this sounds fine. And then you actually see it laid out, um, the flow between like if you're breaking up a sentence or whatever, it doesn't read as well as you thought it did when it was just on paper, like you could change that. So you end up doing that and you hand it off and that goes through more rounds of corrections and then you quality check the book and yeah. So that's like the main task is pretty much getting a book done from start to finish. And then always keeping eyes out on stuff that's popular, stuff like that. So yeah, pretty much that's what we do. (laughs) Excellent. So you're basically like making sure that the book reads like the best it can, like everything flows like very well into each other and like there's no continuity mistakes and like spelling mistakes like making sure the like entire product of the book just like reads and is presented like the best way possible yeah like what i really like about viz is that i think that our manga is like one of the best english adaption like version that you can get of anything really viz manga in general i think has a great reputation of being incredibly high quality and like our attention to detail and our workflow and the amount of care that goes into every book on every level is like astounding. So it's like the editor's job is to make sure that it is the best that it can be and everybody else who looks at it and helps along the way. Also, like the designers are all really amazing. Um, we get our stuff in on time and stuff like that. Like everything is just, the whole process, I think, is really great. Um, to make the product the best it can be. Mm-hmm. I think those efforts re- really show. I do agree. Like, Viz books are definitely really high quality, and I'm always very satisfied with how they turn out. But I was wondering, like, what some of the differences and some of the challenges are in editing, like, simul-published manga, manga for, like, the digital Shonen Jump, and the graphic novels. Like, what are, like, the differences in the process of doing those? Um... So, obviously, the biggest difference is the time frame. A book would be, like, I get the book, I get, like, the translation. That takes, like, a month and then another month and, like, two months to be lettered and, like, a month or two of corrections and, like, pre Like, so it's, like, a long time. Like, it could be, like, a year for me to see a physical copy of the book. Shonen Jump is about, like, a week. Um, free section could end up being shorter. I've had really, really, really fast turnarounds in Dragon Ball Super, especially. It could be like 48 hours. Wow. At times. Um, and that's unusual, but, um, we do what we do to make it simul. Um, <laughs> that's an incredible time pressure. And so that's the biggest is the time. Um, also, like, the big difference is obviously since we're putting it out so quickly, we don't retouch everything. In the weekly version, you can see that in the magazine. You can see that in the free section pretty easily. Mm. Um, we don't retouch sound effects, so that's another big thing. Um, personally, I like being able to see like my work done and in like a final-ish. Not, it's not final because when it goes to GNs, like whether it be digital or print, like the, there's still always something like Elba Live, for example. Like we have a digital, so our digital book it's not retouched, but like sit there and go through the proofs again and make all the corrections because things do slip by, especially in that amount of time. And so, or like in Asher, for example, like I'm sitting there and like, maybe I want to rephrase this differently or whatever. So Mm. yeah, like 
the big ones are like what gets lettered and the timing. I think that's the biggest, and obviously the timing would be the biggest challenge. Um, also, like who's involved um, and stuff like that. That I guess people who are readers don't necessarily see all that. Um, sometimes, like I actually have like a different retouch person than the actual like weekly letter. Uh, Toriko is a good example of that, where uh, the person who does the retouch is not the same person who did the lettering, because um, letters can be really busy. And I have that letter actually on Haikyuu, and that's like one a month. Haikyuu is a very specific case, though, of like one book a month. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's like pretty fast work. Like, once a book is done, like the next one has to be out in the following month. I imagine yeah. it's not like nearly as crazy as like the One Piece and Naruto speedups back in the oh, day. I don't even like, want to think about it. still <laughs> like a lot of work. I wasn't in biz, obviously, during that time, so I can't really say how that went for me though personally like i'll say like i work on multiple volumes of one uh, not one piece high at once like i'll get a translation in and while i'm getting a translation and i'm getting a new proof and i'm doing corrections on two volumes and then i'm handing off one and then i'm also going through blue lines at the same time but also the previous month blue lines so i can be working on like four or five volumes of high at once mm, um wow. and it gets confusing sometimes like if you're like like, for example, where it's the books are around now in terms of what's being hitting the shelves, the Shiratori Zawa arc, I think they're either 17 or 18. Like, it gets confusing when you're working on like 17, 18, 19, 20 all at once. Or 20, actually 17, 18, 19, 20, 22, and 20, no, 23, I think it stops there. You start to get confused, like, you're like, oh, this was this volume, but this is also this volume, and like, which one was this, and stuff like that. So, like, you start to get to confused a little bit on what happened in which volume. Would you say that's, like, the toughest uh, part of your job is, like, working on, like, multiple volumes from, like, the same series at once? Of, like, just multiple volumes of different series all at once in general and just trying to keep track of, like, the continuity? Uh, I wouldn't call that tough, to be completely honest. I, I think I'm just used to it. Like, for example, I feel like there's probably someone somewhere who's like, oh, like, the weekly chapters are really hard, but, like, like, and it'd be, I think it would be really hard to work on this because it's really fast, but at the same time, like, for me personally, since my experience in this has been doing the weekly chapters a lot or whatever, or Haikyuu for me is something that, like, I created the pacing for myself. Like, I, I didn't choose to do it monthly, I mean, it more like, like, I was like, okay, this is how I'm going to approach this kind of deadline. Because it's like, oh, you're doing this book every month. So how I get to decide, like, how I want to manage my own work on it kind of thing. Um, I don't really find the time management too hard because I don't know any other way to do it. Um, and also, like, I've always been really good about, like, doing my work early and in a timely manner. So I'm not I don't know. I wouldn't call that the biggest challenge. I don't know what is. I think the biggest challenge might be, like, there's some series that are just hard to work on. Um, I'm not going to point to anything in specific, but there are some series where it's, like, a lot of work. Um, and, like, it takes me a long time to get through books, and you'd be surprised, like, which ones take me a while. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, this book is really detailed in the dialogue, or this book has a lot of, like, talking, and, like, it's hard to make sense of because it's, like, specific to that world. Um, so I find, like, those kind of series, might, might, series specifically, might be really tough to work on. 
Um, but I mean, it's not like a bad tough to work on. It's just a challenge. Um, but you get through it and the, you get the final result. And you're like, man, I did it. Wow. I, you have an incredible work ethic to like to be able to like handle that much workload at once and like, you know, say, oh, you know, I've set the pace for myself and uh, I can manage it. Like, I, I'm really impressed by that. I really admire that. Yeah. Like, in terms of haiku, like, I'm caught up. Like, so I mean, like, I did it. I, it's obviously like the books are still coming out, but in terms of like my work on it, like, for example, I having surgery in a few weeks, I need to get ahead. I got ahead. Um, yeah. <laughs> And would you say that's, like, the most rewarding experience of being a manga editor is, like, when the book is finished and you can look at the final product and say, yeah, I worked on this, I completed this project, and I'm satisfied with it? Yeah, no, that's, I will say that that's incredibly rewarding. I really do, like, like, when I, for example, when I got my first, like, copy of Asher Lost in Space Volume 1 back, I was like, oh my god, like, here it is! <laughs> <laughs> And, like, at that time, I'd already been working on the chapters for a really long time, but at the same time when I got it in print, I was like, oh, my God, here's the book. Here it is. It's real. <laughs> uh, let me pet it. Like, <laughs> So, yeah. No, I like having my books. They're, it's fun. <laughs> That's really cool. One thing I also wanted to ask about is that part of your job uh, involves researching potential new licenses. So I was wondering, what do you look for when choosing series to pitch as possible acquisitions? Um, I actually, honestly, personally haven't pitched anything recently. Um, but it was always stuff that like I thought was good. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think I could get too big on specifics of this, to be completely honest. That's totally um, fine. It's like... Oh, like this seems like it's people like it or whatever. Um, or it could be like something is like dumb. I could like I don't want to say like specific things that I pitched and that we didn't pick up. Um, mm -hmm. like stuff that's like oh I really like this. Oh my god, Doma. Um, <laughs> it, it's like or like I really like this kind of thing. Like I want to work on it. <laughs> so it could be something like that as well. Um, which is my selfish pitches. Um. I know you can't go into it, but I'm sure you must have been very excited when uh, you found out you got to work on Astra. Yeah. No, Astra was like, I'll say that I wanted to work on Astra. Um, <laughs> I think it's like, personally speaking, when Skep Dance ended, well, for starters, I will admit, and I told you, I never read the last volume of Skep Dance. I have a thing where, like, I don't like to read the last volume of things when it ends because I just don't want it to end. So in my heart, Scott Dance goes on forever. <laughs> I did yeah. that with Belzebub. I've done that with, uh, I did that with Kuroko. I never finished Kuroko and my coworker makes fun of me for it because I'm like, yeah, no, I love Kuroko and we just fight about Kuroko. Um, and, uh, so, like, when Scott Dance, or I heard the Scott Dance, this is it, I had my eye on news about, like, whenever he would come back. Oh, yeah. And so I really liked Astro, and I was just reading it on Jump Plus, um, and I was obnoxious about how much I liked it. <laughs> so um, I'm, like, no, I'm pretty obnoxious about how much I like a lot of things. Like, to be completely honest, like, I, I do get scared. Like, you've seen me on, me on Twitter. I like, I like to fangirl about things that I personally like. Astro wasn't one that I was super open about liking at the time because I was, like, afraid even when, like, it wasn't on the radar or whatever, people were like, oh, she's secretly working on this thing or whatever because she likes it. Like, that's my, like, I've said, like, oh, yeah, no, I'm scared to fangirl 
No, because 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 you know you you can't you can't read manga for fun or anything. Yeah, no, that's like I I obviously do, but um, like I'm afraid that some people may not get that for whatever reason. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's I been no that. real case of that. I just in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh my god, if I fangirl like this one Jump SQ manga that I really personally just like, people are gonna be like, oh, she's secretly working on it, even though I just like I'm manga trash and i really like manga <laughs> that i like to fangirl manga like yeah that, that 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 must be that must be pretty difficult to to deal with honestly like if, if i were in your position i i don't know like i probably wouldn't be able to deal with that that would be yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i mean just getting like pestered about like a series that you're reading like people asking oh are you going to be working on this and you have to be like uh, no i'm just reading it for fun yeah like for example I obviously like Blue Flag. Um, mm-hmm. My dog's named after a character in Blue Flag, and I'm pretty open that, like, oh my god, I love this manga. And, like, when people are like, oh, is whatever. Like, it's maybe not just Blue Flag, but, like, a lot of people ask me, like, oh, like, what is happening with this series or whatever, or this series or whatever. And, like, I think, like, the biggest, like, fan to professional transition I've been through is, like, okay, I am a fan, but I'm also professional. So it's like, there's stuff that I like, but then there's also people who are aware that it's my job. So it's like, they don't necessarily, some people won't separate the two when mm, it comes to yeah. um that. So yeah, like I read manga for fun. I love manga for fun. I love, I love my Jump Plus stuff. <laughs> I, I sit there and read Jump Plus for fun all the time. It may not necessarily be something I work on. So yeah, Jump Plus actually, I think is a great platform overall. So to talk about like when you do talk about a uh, manga like on Twitter or like in ha- uh, like stuff you are working on like I think like it was very cool like you would like comment on the uh, new Astro chapters like in the comment section and like have interactions like with fans I thought like that was like really fun like to see like the person working on the series like is just as excited for it and also like making these predictions and you know it was cool to have that conversation in like the comic sections and like you know yeah I, I can talk about that um at first i really like didn't intend to comment so much because if you look at other parts of the site like i'm not too active in the comment section um like in the issue or sometimes in the podcast but it's in very very specific cases um that i won't go into and so um like, Astra was more like, oh, yeah, no, I really want people to read this. And so I'm going to spam, like, every part of this, like, the website everywhere, being like, everybody read, show, like, read Astra. And I would do it in the issue. Anytime in the issue an Astra chapter came out, I'd be like, everybody, go read Astra. Because, like, I legitimately like this manga. And then, like, I started also, like, with Dragon Ball Super, but, like, chapter Dragon Ball Super. And I did it with Elden Live as well. But Astra, I started noticing people... And I started noticing two things. I started noticing people, like, actually having really interesting theories. And I'm like, oh, my God, because, like, here I am in emails while we're working on it. Like, I theorized with Annalisa. I theorized with um, the translator. I theorized with, like, even I probably bothered Andy. Um, <laughs> like, like, I, like, the whole time, like, yeah, no. Like, and from the beginning, I was even, like, and you guys probably know, too. Like, I thought it was Shars, like, the whole time. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, he's he's too, he's too Shars. So, um... He was like, too shiny, too sparkly. Yeah, he was, t- he was too perfect. Um, no. 
And like, there was multiple times I'd go back to chapter one and like try to find something. And what really pissed me off, it was there. It was there the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I know, um, I know. Like, I, when I was rereading like the series, like, I was like on the lookout for like all the like clues and hints about like Charge was the traitor. And yeah, like you read in chapter one and you like look at like some of these details and like, yeah, he was ahead of the group the whole time. Yeah. And I was actually like looking at volume two again. Obviously, because I had to edit it. And, like, there's, like, a whole part where it's, like, oh, like, Shars and Aries are really similar in their personalities. It's almost like they're related. Like, there's, like, an actual <laughs> line that's like that. And I was just, like, looking at it, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, oh, my God. Like, that's a thing. I'm pretty sure Chars wears a t-shirt, like, literally with, he with the name of the country he's from or whatever at some point. Yeah, he has a Vixia shirt really early on, and it didn't really have much context. I mean, like, in the context of, like, a lot of the Astra clothing, um, for example, a lot of the brands, like Hyperion, yeah. it, since you read Skentan. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, oh, I, I definitely recognize that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's so, it's like, oh yeah, no, I know what that is, and stuff like that. So, I mean, at first, those kind of details, even Falcon, I think, was also related, like another one of those games yeah. that the teacher played with them. Um, or one of the things that they had to shout out while playing that game. <laughs> that is always so funny. Um, and so, um, yeah, like, in the context of Asher, like, the t-shirt was really, like, a hidden thing. I thought it was, like, one of those just, like, oh, he wrote Vixia on a shirt. Um, but, yeah, when it came to the comment section, I saw people commenting. I also saw people commenting on things as though they were their theories, and it was really clear that it was them reading Jump Plus and <laughs> stuff like that. So, at some point, I kind of became also, like, a moderator of the discussion. <laughs> like, yeah. I was self-moderating, because I, I really... It, it, bothered me when people were like spoiling it for other people um i knew yeah, for dragon ball rude. super too dragon ball super's comment section yeah that's just that's just not right <laughs> yeah no dragon ball super's comment section i will like i will check it and i'll be like oh are people talking about the anime because the anime is further than the manga and i'll be like and that's hard be like, because oh, the anime is yeah yeah people don't think about that and just like as a courtesy i'll change it as a spoiler and i'll be like oh please in the future just mark your anime discussion as spoiler so that people who haven't watched it don't get spoiled like i i, got, I bought a box of senzu beans and i got spoiled for the tournament of power so yeah. uh, i was so sad about that i'm impressed that you have managed to avoid so many spoilers as you have when it comes yeah. to super yeah i've never been that big on like tumblr or like reddit or anything like that so i've been always really good about avoiding spoilers like for example when um not the last jedi or whatever the one that like the force awakens i avoided spoilers in that completely until i saw it mm, wow. uh, persona 5 i've avoided every spoiler so far and i'm not done with it so i'm actually really good about avoiding spoilers that's because i'm like kind of a hermit and don't really check on things as much as I should when it comes to like discussions on things that I like like yeah Tumblr's not really been my thing Reddit's not really my yeah. thing um I don't really watch YouTube like the only thing on YouTube that I watch is like cooking videos of stuff I'm never gonna actually cook <laughs> so, uh, so like, I know that feel <laughs> yeah so that's like really it 
Yeah, I follow too many people who aren't afraid to spoil. I haven't seen Devilman Crybaby yet, but I know almost everything about it because of people. Oh yeah, like pe- people will not shut up about that right now. Like I think I like revenge spoiled Final Fantasy fifteen for people. Um, <laughs> like I forgot what was happening at the time, but there was I think oh Yuri on Ice. Yuri on Ice was running at the time. All these people just would spoil it right away, and they'd get really, like, whatever. And then they, the same people would be like, do not spoil Final Fantasy XV for me. And I was just like, well, you spoiled Yuri on Ice for me, so I'm going to write this whole post about what happens in Final Fantasy at 15. And my friends got so mad. And I was just like, well, F you, because, like, you spoiled this for me, so here's my thing. And this is exactly how it feels. You just reminded me of a really funny tweet I found the other day about how um, just kind of talking about my hero academia for a second where uh, somebody I, I saw a tweet uh somebody made about how uh they engaged with somebody about tweeting uh my hero academia spoilers and told them you know asked them nicely hey you should not do that and then uh the person they asked responded with this is how i cope <laughs> <laughs> I, I, th- I, th- I thought that was the funniest shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh um, yeah, the, the 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 lengths that people will go to to, you know, justify talking about all this stuff early, but yeah, yeah, that's a whole that's a whole other thing. But to steer the conversation back to Astra, I just have one more question I'd like to ask you. You've mentioned before that Sket Dance is one of your favorite manga, and Kenta Shinohara is one of your favorite mangaka. So I want to ask you how you discovered Sket Dance and what makes Shinohara's work so appealing to you. And did you have to approach working on Astra with a different mindset as an editor than you would have as a fan? And has your perception of Shinohara changed in any way now that you've worked on one of his works in a professional capacity? Uh, so, I discovered Sket Dance, actually, through Gintama, like, yeah. how everything else is. <laughs> that sounds um, about right, yeah. <laughs> was it through the crossover episode? No, so, uh, Gintama's anime, like, was, end when I watched it, it was ending, and Sket Dance is actually was beginning, mm. um, so it was before that. It was on Crunchyroll, and so I would, like, watch Gintama, and then I'd watch Sket Dance. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, this is fun. And then as I watched more and more of it, I'm like, oh, my God, I really like this. And so I started um, actually uh, reading it out of the Japanese, excuse me, Japanese magazine, and I was buying the Tonkobans. I bought, like, the novels. And um, Shinohara Sensei's writing in Sket Dance, uh, if you're reading Astra, really did like set the groundwork for the more serious tone of Astra. Um, and a lot of people like look at Sket Dance and they're like, oh, it's just a really, really funny series. But like, yes, it's a hilarious series. It's hilarious. I've watched it just for the sake of needing a good laugh. But I have cried reading and watching Scott Dance. I've cried. Uh, you are not the only one. <laughs> like, it was really sad. Like, I landed in Kyoto uh, when I was studying there, and I turned on my TV, and it was the, um, it was part of the happy birthday arc. And I was just like, oh my god, like, this is like the first thing I see when I land in Japan. Great. Because <laughs> um, here it is, it's like the happy rebirthday arc. It's like, oh, by the way, Balsoon, you're not alone. Here's your brother. And I'm like, 
Oh my god, Tsubaki! Um, so, <laughs> look, like, I yeah, like no, I, that- I totally get that. I actually, um, I own Volume Thirty Two of Skeptic, which is like the very last one, and I, I won't, I won't, I won't mm. say anything because I just remember you haven't actually read the last volume, so you haven't seen the final arc yet. But um, su- suffice to say that the resolution of uh, of a certain character always. Like I always just get, I always have the, the the urge to like just go back to volume thirty two and just kind of flip through it and just cry for like ten minutes and then put it down. Just just the ending of Sket Dance in general is, I would say, is very satisfying. But you know, we we talked about on the podcast last episode that uh, a particular part of the, I guess, the final stretch of Sket Dance is you know was resolved very nicely i think and that's pretty much why i'm here for the series and after that like i don't care as much what happens afterwards because the thing i was invested in the most uh was resolved very nicely and that's all i could ever ask for (laughs) so yeah for um like for sketch dance i'll say like almost every character arc oh was it switch (laughs) <laughs> oh. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, you, like, you guessed the it. The switch and uh, Momoka thing for the whole time. Like, I just wanted them to be happy. I know. <laughs> I was just like, I wanted switch, like switch with his brother. The whole thing just made me so sad, and like his whole character just made me so sad. Yeah. And like Momoka get, like loved him so much, and I don't know how that resolves, but I really wanted it to be okay. Um. I really wish you 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 had already read the last volume because man, we had a really good discussion last episode about the final arc, and which personally I think I might now do that because it, it's 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 really good <laughs> and like again I I won't say anything in particular, but there were there were some there were certain themes that Shinahara visited in Astra that um, I was uh, that I guess I wasn't like surprised that I was. I was glad to see that he revisited again uh, from Sket Dance. Uh, just, just certain, yeah, yeah. Cer- certain plot beats and revelations and whatnot carried over into Astra that I thought were very nice to I'm see. I'm very curious because it, like, in Sket Dance, my, my, I, I did look up a little bit of spoilers. Um, <laughs> like, my understanding of um, some of the endings was maybe a lot of the characters who had interests in each other like didn't really end up together or like overtly end up together in the sense that like in astra like these two these two different couples like were either getting married or got married um so like the balsoon himeko relationship was really great honestly though my favorite thing like my favorite like that part of manga like the relationship part of manga for scat dance for me was um not the actual relationship between Agata's sister and Basun, but like whatever went on in Agata's head. <laughs> um, <laughs> just I loved how it like just spiraled out of control. It's like okay, well now Subaki is actually with her, but we, but wait now Michiru has like this like secretly really. I'm just like Agata, get a grip, please. Agata was I think in the end my favorite. <laughs> he's he's pretty good, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. What made Shinohara Sensei's, well, here, so, he is one of my favorite mangaka, if not my favorite, him and, and, uh, Sorachi Sensei. Yes, yes, are like yes. The top. You're making um, me so happy. Obviously, right <laughs> he, he, um, he obviously was the assistant to Sorachi Sensei, so he, their, like, style is similar. Gintama also has the very big, like, this is hilarious until it makes you cry. Um, and so, 
Uh, I discovered it through um, Gintama, but then also um, what makes it appealing is his ability to be like, okay, well, I'm going to make you laugh so hard that you cry, but I'm also going to make it so that like you legitimately cry because it's so sad <laughs> and emotional and moving. Um, and obviously, like, I have a bias towards, like, twin characters, so, I mean, I was on Team Tsubaki because he was the younger twin, um, but, yeah, no, I, it's really funny, actually, in the manga, they're both born in 1992 on, like, November, either 21st or 22nd. Uh, November 2nd, I think, actually. No, it's, like, 20-something. I'm, like, 100% sure it's the 22nd. Mm. I have Google, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Google is a very powerful weapon, Tsubaki. I'll give you that. Uh, yeah. Oh, November 11th. Oh, so okay, exactly, okay. We, we, yeah, we, we, yeah, we were both wrong. It's in our Sket Dance review. Boss soon shares the same birthday as me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay, okay. We were both wrong. So it's November 11th, 1992. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm November 18th, 1992. So in my head, I'm like, oh, they're like a week older than me. Like, in real life. <laughs> Boss student is exactly three years older than me since I was born in 1995 and he was born in 1992. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, Boss is like a year older than I am or so, so. I'm older than both of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm the same age as those two, except like a week younger. Um, and so I don't know, like the, their birthday being close to mine, the fact that they're both twins, um... Like, really spoke. And the fact that they're twins that don't really get along, uh, was a big plus to me. I don't really like it, how every twin story is like, these two characters are best friends forever. And I'm like, looking at myself and my own identical twin, I'm like, we're not best friends forever. This isn't realistic at all. So I did like that Tsubaki and Falsoon weren't like, like, they had their moments. Like, they're really funny moments. One I'm specifically thinking of is, like, they were walking home or something, and they both had umbrellas, and they had to fight somebody, and they were yelling really stupid, like, attack names while they were fighting them yeah, with their umbrellas. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, okay, this is hilarious. I love this. And I did like that their relationship grew to the point where it was, like, an, like an awkward friendship almost. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't ever, like... We're just gonna be the exact same character now. Um, to be completely honest, the last part of Scott Dance I remember is, uh, when they all turn into Ikemen characters. Yeah. Uh, when they had the Ikemen drink or whatever from, um, uh, uh Chuma. Space. He, he, yeah, Chuma, cause Chuma, uh, was in, um, was an Astra. Yeah, I saw that. That was pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I was like, oh my god, it's Chuma. <laughs> Also, the reporter at the end uh, kind of looked like Switch. Huh, it wasn't I didn't Switch. I was like hoping that his name was like Kazuyoshi or something like that, but it was um, yeah, like the same glasses and hair style. Like I was like, oh, it looks like Switch. And uh, Balsun kind of looks like not Balsun. <laughs> Kanata kind of looks like uh, if like Balsun and like Kato had like a weird genetic baby. Like, genetically modified baby that the two of them are the parents or something. Like, he had that, like, Kato Kitty, like, physique with, like, Balsun's, like, everybody listens to me for some reason, <laughs> like, character. Because <laughs> everybody listened to Balsun for some reason. Yeah, Kanata, you know, what I, I tweeted about this too. Like, what makes, what keeps him from being, like, Balsun 2.0 is that he's, 
like he's actually like physically capable of stuff and he's kind of an athlete. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's actually like, oh, he says dumb things, but like he actually can do stuff and has actually like saved the lives of people through his athletic skill and and not having like the Himeko character or the um or the Switch character do stuff. I mean, there has been moments where it's like, oh, Zach, go do this thing. Or, like, Shars, teach us about biology, or whatever. <laughs> but, like, it's not like he has another character fighting for him, because in this case of Skat Dance, uh, Boston had Himeko fighting for him a lot. I loved Himeko. Himeko's um, great. So. Um, but no, yeah, it seems like you've been a been a fan of Skate Dance for a while and just a fan of uh, Shinohara's work in general, which, you know, we can totally understand. Like, obviously, you know, I've, I like, I, I don't think, I don't think I talked about this on the Skate Dance episode, but like, uh, Skate Dance, I had seen around for like, a, a, like a year or two, like a, a little while. Like, I would see it around. I would see people mention it. And I, I had heard that, like, oh, yeah, this guy used to work for Sirachi or whatever. And I thought that was kind of interesting. And I saw the crossover episode. Uh, or whatever, and I just never got around to it, but then, uh, what is it, I think I finished the, I mean, when I got into Gintama, all there was was, um, was basically the first series, the first, like, 200 episode run or whatever, and then there was the, the run from 2011 to 2012, so the, so the anime was about 250 episodes at the time, um, and at the time, like, the anime would be gone for, like, two years or something, so, when I finally caught up to Gintama at the time, I'm like, okay, what do I do now? I feel so empty. Because <laughs> um, that was what I was obsessed with for like six months or whatever. Um, and then I saw Skate Dance had an anime on Crunchyroll, and I'm like, okay, whatever. I guess I'll just I'll just watch this thing. It's kind of like Gintama, I think. And then I, you know, I watched all the anime, and then I read pretty much all the manga after that. And yeah, Skate Dance became pretty much one of my favorite manga of all time. Uh, again, we had a whole podcast about it, so if you haven't listened to that, people can go listen to that. Um, but, but no, yeah, I like, I love Shinohara's work, and ever since I finished Sket Dance, like, you know, I was, I was so, I was so happy to see that not only was Shinohara doing more stuff, that, that it was picked up by Viz of all things. Like, I never, I never would have thought that, like, that uh, I would ever see anything from Shinohara officially in English. So, like, I do kind of have to thank you and Viz for that, because that is pretty amazing, honestly. Yeah. No, I I was... I don't know if I actually said it, but, like, I had kept an eye out for his name being, like, Shinohara since a new series, like, anywhere for as long as the series, like, Scott Dance had been over. Um, and obviously, like, I was looking forward to it, and I'm like, oh, now I'm a manga professional, what happens if I can work on it? Um, and, like, and part of your question was also, like, approaching it as a fan versus whatever. Um, I liked Haikyuu before I started working on it. I liked Seraph before I started working on it. Um, I liked Toriko before I started working on it, and whatever. Like, a bunch of series that I worked on, I liked it before I started working on it. Um, I'd say, like, just in general, like, liking something, maybe makes it easier to work on. Like, I've never, like, I, I, I'm i wondering if it's coming, like, the question comes from a place of, like, has there ever been, like, a tough decision you had to make? Like, your fan gut says this, but your professional gut says this, or whatever. Um, it's, I've never really run into a case like that. 
Um, when it comes to just working on manga, it's just kind of like there is a way to just do it. Um, I don't really have like any sort of like internal struggle about like the right, like what my heart says or whatever. There was one line in Astro though that my translator gave me. It had nothing to do with like being a fan of Shinohara Sensei. It was just like such a ridiculous like rewrite that like I couldn't change it. I was just like, Andy, you make the mark to change this because I don't want to. (laughs) It, It was like that kind of like ridiculous like, like joking around kind of almost thing but it had nothing to do with being a fan it was just the line was so ridiculous and like it made me laugh I was like man I hope no one like changes it kind of thing <laughs> like it, it was changed but we were all thinking it <laughs> at the same time yeah but yeah I never really had like the whole like I'm a fan and I wanted to go like this but professionally I think it should be like this uh, usually, like, I speak Japanese, there's just times where I'm like, okay, like, there's, it's usually when, when that comes to that, it's more like, okay, it should be like this, kind of thing. It's, like, I'll say, like, for example, Dragon Ball Super localization stuff, like, I'll read something and I'll be like, okay, I really believe it should be like this, because Japanese-wise, this is what this says, and in English, doesn't make sense, like, something like that. That's where it becomes where, and it's not really like a fan struggle. It's more like a, I read Japanese and I also read English, and this just probably makes more sense in English. Um, so yeah, there's never been like a fan professional struggle for Astra or anything I really work on. It's not really like that. Um, maybe, personally, I've never had the problem that I think a lot of people might be like, oh yeah, no, like, making this move sound like this or whatever i've never i don't know sorry i don't i don't know what i'm really saying it's i've never really had that um and i'm trying to think of examples of like ways that somebody could but to be completely honest i can't think of a way um like there's just a way to edit manga and that's just the way i do it it has nothing to do with either like i could totally just be working on something that is just work and not necessarily like astro levels of love um and i'll work on it just as hard so like it's not like oh i worked on astro harder because i love it more it's like i work on astro just as hard as anything else i work on and if it's something i don't necessarily like as much as much as astro like astro is like top at the top for me it just is like a personal ranking um but if something below that or whatever, like I love Haikyuu and I worked on Haikyuu just as much as Astra kind of thing. Like I work on everything as hard as like, cause it's not really about like how much I like something. It's about how good it can be in terms of the book that's put out. So my like for something doesn't really affect like how hard I work on it. I get that. You might love some of your babies more than others, but you treat them all the same. Yes. <laughs> You got to give all your products like the same level of quality no matter what anyway, so. Yeah, I think that's what I was trying to get at. Like, like I love Astra, and that's the only way I could think of like somebody being like, oh, maybe I try a little harder or whatever, but I, I approach everything the same way. Um, like, I- I've come up with weird, like, panic, like, we need to ask about this because it needs to be perfect situations for things that, like, I- I'm not, like, die hard obsessed with like i i like everything i work on i'll say that um but like there's obviously like 
tears of how much I like something, like enough to name my dog or cat after it or whatever. <laughs> I, my dog isn't named after the thing I work on, or neither is one of my cats. Like I named my cat after one of my cats is named after a character in Toriko. I really like Toriko. I did almost name my dog after a character in Astra, but I didn't. <laughs> I was thinking Luca. Yeah, um, that sounds like a pet name. At the time, I didn't know if I was going to get like a male or female dog. I'd also considered Sharps, but then I didn't want my dog to be named after a potential murderer. <laughs> well, um, you made a good call there, although he does change a bit down the line. Yeah, no, Sharps does come around, but I didn't want to end up with like my arm missing or something. <laughs> so. Um. So that's going to be about it for that. Um, we would like to thank Marlene for coming on the show and just taking the time out of her schedule to just to, you know chat with us about herself and really sharing some really fun and interesting stories about all the really cool people she's run into in in, in Japan and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, those were some of my uh, favorite uh, parts of the interview, myself in particular. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'd like to also thank her ahead of time for, uh, talking about Astra with us, even though we haven't released that part of the uh, discussion yet. Again, we'll, uh, we'll definitely get to it here, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, but for now, uh, special thanks to Marlene for coming on the show. Um, if you'd like to, uh, you know, find her on the internet, you can find her on Twitter at, uh, Michi first. That's M I I C H I, uh, one S T uh, as in first, not not the actual word first. Um, hopefully that hopefully I didn't just confuse you even more. Um, and you can also follow her on Twitch. Uh, you know, I I don't remember if she mentioned it during the interview or not, but uh, you know she uh, she does a lot of a uh, lot of stuff on Twitch. Uh, she plays a lot of video games. Uh, I think at the time. Uh, we had her on. She was just about to finish uh, near Autonoma. Uh, if you follow her on Twitter, you know she's already done that already, and uh, uh, poor girl is uh, is heartbroken over that. Uh, uh, and uh, I know she's also been playing some uh, some Dragon Ball Fighters and whatnot. Uh, some some cool stuff there. So if you just want to see her play some video games, uh, go follow her on Twitch. Uh, her link is at twitch.tv slash Michi. And uh, again, we'll probably have links to all of Marlene's uh, things and stuff uh, in the uh, description below in the episode. Um, that didn't make any sense. The episode description, you know what you know what I mean. Um, and most importantly, just support Marlene's work. Um, again, she's uh, she's the editor for things um, like like Astra. Uh, and uh, not only that, but, uh, you know, Toriko, I, I think I said Kuroko's basketball in the intro. I think I meant to say Haikyuu. Um, Haikyuu is something that she uh, is definitely working on a lot. Um, and uh, yeah, so just just basically just just support all of her works because she she does work very hard on the series that she is tasked to work on. And uh, we very much appreciate her work over at uh, Viz. Uh, not just with Astra, um, but I guess if you also uh, if you want to follow me and Sid, uh, as far as Sid goes, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Lum Ramayasha, and uh, you can follow him follow him as Lum Ramayasha on a lot of other things such as uh, my anime list and Tumblr and whatnot. I think, um, and uh, yeah, please follow Sid and uh, check out all of his tweets and uh, 
you know, check out all of his uh, threads he's doing, uh, no matter how irregular they may be. Um, I know he tries. Um, that's not a jab at Sid. Um, but, uh, you know, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at SniperKing323. Uh, I have a lot of threads going on that I've just started. I'm, uh, I'm honestly, I feel like I'm probably reading too many things, but like, you know, I, I, I really want to be ambitious with, uh, with a lot of the stuff we're, uh, going to hopefully cover on the show this year. So really trying to do what I can to get some kind of head start on those, um, reading stuff like rereading Toriko and, uh, rereading Assassination Classroom. I think I want to start reading Ashino Joe at some point. Uh, I'm trying to get back into World Trigger. I know that'll make some people happy. Um, but if you want to follow my other podcast at all, um, you could follow Life Lessons, the Gintama Monk cast, if you are a Gintama fan. Uh, I basically go through, uh, the entirety of the old Viz release of Gintama that is unfortunately discontinued since 2009 at this point. Almost 10 years. Wow. Um, but we still go through the series, uh, from the very beginning, uh, specifically through the Viz Media release. Um, and, uh, you could find that over at gintalifelessons.wordpress.com. Or if you want to follow something a little similar in structure, but, uh, is more focused on, let's say, Case Closed or Detective Conan, uh, please go listen to One Podcast Prevails at onepodcastprevails.com. I really enjoy recording that show with my friend, uh, Doctor over at the SSA podcast. Uh, but as for just all comic and the podcast in general, you can find more of our podcast over at allcomic.com, or you can follow us on facebook.com slash all.comic, or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. Uh, but if you want to follow Manga Maverick specifically, you want to follow us on Twitter at manga underscore mavericks for the latest updates on the podcast and what we're going to be talking about on the show and whatnot. Um, you can also follow us on mangamavericks.tumblr.com. And you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash manga mavericks. Again, it's all thanks to you guys that we got that custom URL. Um, but if you want to email us anything about, uh, you know, if you have any questions for Marlene or uh, about her time at Viz or, uh, or if, you, if you have any questions about Astra or you just want to tell us about what you're reading lately, we, we love getting emails from you guys. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely read them on the show. And uh, you can send them over to mavericks at gmail.com. Uh, but the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or Apple Podcast, whatever the hell they're called. I don't know. They're called something. Um, but I think that's going to be about it for this episode. Tune in next time where we will hopefully be talking about uh, Astra Lost in Space. Uh, finally, for real this time. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.